Hello, and welcome to the Mount Rushmore Podcast. Uh, my name is Michael, and as always, I'm joined by my good friends Jeff. Hello. And Richard. Howdy. Uh, each week on the podcast, uh, usually Richard and I debate a uh, much um, vaulted topic, argued about topic, some goofy-ass topic that we decide uh, is worthy of uh, being debated, and Jeff is the judge, but um, once a year... Uh, Richard and I have turned the tables on dear old Jeffrey Hopkins. It's usually a Christmas miracle, yeah. is what it is. <laughs> it just gives us it just gives us a weekend off almost. Yeah, yeah. we, we don't, don't like oh. do anything. <laughs> <laughs> Finally, we don't have to like search something on Wikipedia for 19 minutes. It is hard. Yeah, it is a hard task. <laughs> um, but this week, uh, Jeff chose the topic yeah. like he did last week, and uh, the topic is the Mount Rushmore of trapped. On an island, yeah, or trapped on a deserted island, or just as we've argued, an trapped on an island, argued about in the past, trapped on a desert island. Either one of either one yeah. of the three. Okay, why did you choose this? I love this uh, lens through which one can view an idea, uh, through which a storyteller can communicate a narrative. Uh, the idea is one is isolated geographically to a place if it's trapped on an island mm-hmm. and it's not deserted you're just isolated geographically to that place because you're trapped but like some of the uh, themes that we discuss here on the podcast some existential ideas or some movies about people who are forced to relive certain days over and over again we were just talking about groundhog day it's all conceptual mm-hmm. because we're all on an island. <laughs> it's a lot of that, uh, uh, being trapped on an island is a lot of like looking in the mirror. Yeah, it's forcing you to accept yourself, see what it is about yourself that yeah. um, puts you there on this island, or can get you out of this island, or what are you going to do with your time on the island? You can yeah. have those three. There's three options: either you're trying to get off, you're trying to reconcile how you got there, or you're. Uh, well, I'm here. Yeah. Let's, let's boogie. Yeah, let's make the most of it. So, yeah. So, this is Jeff's topic, and Ricardo, please start us off. All right. So, my first choice is uh, the third of the three Gilligan's Islands movies. Oh, wow. Made after the show went off the air. This yeah. was uh, 1981. In 1981's The Castaways, or, or, I'm sorry, 1981's The Harlem Globetrotters That's on Gilligan's Island. It's the best. Is it animated? No, it's it's live action. This one was live action? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, good this lord. It's live action. It's got okay. the Harlem versus, Globetrotters. Versus wow. the robots. Yes. And I am, and and so basically the plot of the film is that the Harlem Globe, Globetrotters crash land on Gilligan's Island. Yeah. Um. So that's where the trapped on the island part comes from. I'm being a little bit, it's a little, I'm fudging the rules a little bit because they are trapped on Gilligan's Island for a while. Mm. But they are luckily rescued by the casting, by the, by the gang, Gilligan's gang. Oh. Ah. Um, who now are running Castaways, which is the uh, resort. Up in Burbank? Yeah, the, the, restaurant? the restaurant. Yeah, oh. really, good, really good prime rib. Okay. Um, they're now running the Castaways, which is their uh, vacation resort that they have. Uh. Um, and I started to watch this last night, and I'd had a couple of drinks. Mm. It's bad. Oh, I, spoiler. It, spoiler alert. It's, You'd think... With the stellar cast and the new concept. You'd think with, you know, 21, yeah. Curly Neal. First off, <laughs> the, the first scene involves Skipper and Gilligan. They're still sharing like a, a room. Yeah. With one on top of the other, the bunk bed. Yeah. Skipper's got to be 80. <laughs> Gilligan's 50 or whatever the hell he is. Yeah. And they're still doing like the falling out of the... Don't. Oh, yeah. Falling yeah. out of the, 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 the uh, hammock and yeah. on the other one. And boop, 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 boop. Mm-hmm. Talk about turning the mirror in on yourself that you choose to go back to an island after you were trapped there for 15 years, however long it was, and then you still choose to live within the same rut. Yeah. <laughs> this, is, this is one of my points from this movie. There appears to be some sort of, I don't know, Stockholm syndrome. I don't know exactly mm-hmm. what you would call it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But the fact that they all chose to basically relive this life over and over again. It's like in the movie uh, Castaway when... Um, the Tom Hanks character at the end, he like he's brought back to civilization and he can't sleep in a bed, and uh, he lays out like a blanket on like the hard. Well, maybe we'll get to that. Mm. Okay, mm. that's fascinating. Yeah. That the the prison becomes your um, womb, the yeah. place that you return to. Yeah, kind of like Shawshank Redemption thing. Yeah, like the one guy who couldn't make it after he got out of uh, yeah. prison. Mm-hmm. Same sort of thing. 
Then you cut to the uh, Harlem Globetrotters private jet, which is 1981. <laughs> and I actually do believe they had a, a, a private jet in 1981. It's amazing how big the Harlem Globetrotters were like in the 70s and 80s. Yeah. Like they were on Wide World of Sports like all the time and flying to Beijing and God knows where else. Mm-hmm. Animated on Scooby-Doo. Had their own, yeah. uh, had their own Crofts Brothers. Uh, uh, Sid and Marty Croft, they did? Yeah, oh. yeah the, the Harlem Globetrotters popcorn machine. That's the best. God, that's the best. Um, and they're all sleeping, but they all have their basketball with them. Some of them are using the basketball as a pillow. Makes yeah. Sense. Curly Neal is asleep, and he's dribbling the basketball in yeah. the aisle. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can tell something goes wrong because suddenly the plane lurches and the basketball slips from his uh, dribble. Mm-hmm. That wakes him up, of course. Oh. Yeah. Well, this one was... Uh, Tina Louise boycotted this. Yeah, they couldn't get either of the Dons because they had a second Don that I think Tina Louise had boycotted at least one of the movies. So they'd got someone else to play Ginger. Then that person didn't want to play. So they were like on a third Ginger. At this oh, point. wow. Um, and poor Jim Backus was like in very ill health. Yeah. So they had to replace him with his son, Thurston Howell IV. Oh, gross. Except they did have Jim Backus come in for like one like one scene. That he mm-hmm. like powered his way through. He does not look well, you guys. Oh, that's Chick Hearn. Chick Hearn yeah. is in it? Yeah. Stu Nahan? Stu Nahan, yeah. Some, some, some uh, L.A. sports legend. Wow. The campy nature of this is something that were you to try to explain this to somebody, to a young, to your daughter? What would you have to, how many footnotes would the story have to have? Actually, I think it would be very quick. It would be... Don't worry about it. <laughs> don't, don't sweat it. So they eventually, eventually machinations happen. They wind up playing, have to, having to play a basketball game for the, for the uh, castaways okay. uh, resort against Martin Landau as an evil tycoon. Yeah. And his team of robots called the New Invincibles. <laughs> which reminds so me, Space we're, Jam stole the plot from this Basically, one. Yeah. they did, yeah. So I don't know what happened to the old Invincibles. Yeah. Maybe they became the Timsman. <laughs> That's very good. Unclear. Making a note. But, but I just put this in here because everyone, I mean, Gilligan's Island is such a beloved show. Yeah. They tried to milk so much out of this. And by mm-hmm. the time you get, it's an absurd, ridiculous show on its face. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then you start bringing like the freaking Harlem Globetrotters and basketball playing robots. And Martin Landau, didn't he have something better to do in the late 70s, early 80s? His career rivals Michael Caine's in terms of like things he'll do to pay a mortgage. (laughs) Right. Like Like Jaws 4. Yeah. yeah. I I had an ongoing argument with a a friend regarding which show was the most existential, Brady Bunch or Gilligan's Island. And it felt like it was always Gilligan's Island because the Brady Bunch was always had access to the world. Davy Jones could guest star on sure. uh, the Don Brady Bunch. Yeah, Don, these people, they were in the world with these people. Wrongway Wainwright would have to crash land on Gilligan's Island, you know, in order to, or a yeah, Soviet big, spy. The big kahuna, the came, big surfing kahuna came surfing in. Dracula, I think, somehow <laughs> on one episode. Uh, and I always felt that it was most existential of all the uh, shot and technicolor things that you would come home to and eat cereal after school while watching. So, right. Uh, I also... It's on I, par with the monkeys in terms of just batshit crazy. Batshit crazy, yeah. And uh, the ingenuity in terms of uh, uh, technology and uh, the things that they... The real circumstances that kept them on the island and then the strange interruptions to logic in which Mr. Howell would somehow have today's Wall Street Journal delivered to him on that right. island or, or yeah, I think he was just something. reading the old one that he brought with him. Oh, and he had mental illness, so he yeah, thought he it was <laughs> the same There's a, a very interesting self-defeating aspect of Gilligan's Island. I don't think that they ever really wanted to get off the island, or it seems like they could have pretty easily or mm-hmm. frequently. Yeah. But I think that their lives off the island were worse than yeah. what they had, in spite of their wealth or their fame. I or think their except for the howls, except for the howls, except they were so lazy, they yeah. actually wouldn't contribute anything to getting off There's, the island. They definitely built a family that they didn't seem to have. Uh, apparently, I guess Thurston Howell had a son, right? Never yeah. mentioned before. Uh-huh. Uh huh. <laughs> you know the the the, the career that uh, 
He uh, went off to war with the older son from the happy days. <laughs> <laughs> and never came back. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think that there's a lot of self-sabotage, and they found true happiness actually on the island. Especially, I think, I can't remember if it was the first Gilligan's Island movie or the second, where they get off and then go on a boat tour again and crash on the same island. That's the first one, yeah. Yeah, and it's just like, you guys are idiots. Yeah. You did this on purpose. <laughs> it does, of often the trapped on a deserted island uh um, trope has an isolated individual or a small group like lost trapped kind of on a beach or on an island in this case how conveniently have we res- uh brought how conveniently are we to be trapped with every uh, archetype of american culture at that time right. you know the, the the industry the millionaire the the, the working man and no black people uh, well, until Gilligan's and the Harlem Globetrotters. Were right. Out. Suddenly it was like, guys, this is kind of white. It's, yeah. like, it's 1981. We're pretty progressive yeah. at this point. I wonder if that was is the Washington Generals that played the Harlem Globetrotters yes. for so many years. <laughs> Who would have won a game between the robots and the Washington Generals? Yeah. <laughs> the robots, they were invincible. They were the new invincible. They were newly I, invincible. Right. I would all, I just, if I could apply for one job for one day, it would be the coach of the Washington Generals and just like to have that halftime talk like, guys. You really look like idiots out there. Just, Act just, like you don't get it. Just shouting from the, the bench. No, it's confetti in there. It's confetti. It's not water. Oh. I wonder. I wonder if the um, if the robots lost because um, they were programmed to like defeat the globetrotters razzmatazz, or if oh, the globetrot- other way around the globetrotters they had to use the razzmatazz because when they first they were, were trying pre- to play a straight game, the robots were in in fact invincible and they were ahead like. 97 to 3. Mm-hmm. And then they realized at halftime that uh, the professor realized the robots were not, they were just built, built on logic. So if you started doing all the bullshit stuff, yeah, there's no way they could, they could, their brains, they're like computing. We'll like, do this thing called cheating that we do. <laughs> right. So like to your point, it is Space Jam. It's Space Bill Jam. Bill Murray comes in and basically tells them that they have to be themselves. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah. No. Sorry. All right, that's our first excellent choice by Richard. Pretty great. Pretty great. Uh, Jeffrey, please. Number okay. one. Okay. All right. So uh, I have an... Um, I'd like to start off with a movie I've, I've only seen once. I can't really speak very uh, intellectually about it, but um, uh, The Descendants. Um, George Clooney as Matt King has everything and nothing. Um, he is trapped on the most beautiful island <laughs> of Hawaii and or Honolulu, I think. He's, Honolulu. So the second or third most beautiful island. In second Hawaii. or third most beautiful. Um, Definitely top four. His uh, wife has had an affair on him and she's now in a coma. His daughter has a disciplinary problem. She's <laughs> living away from the... Is that what happens when you have an affair with somebody? The daughter. You go into a coma? She goes right in a coma. That's what happens? To uh, you? His father-in-law's dying. So he can't talk to his wife about what's going on. Um, his father-in-law hates him and he has all this potential money trapped in this real estate that he's the executor of. Everybody in his family expects him to sell it all. Uh, but, and that's the decision he's making throughout the whole thing. It's so I find this story amazing because it doesn't take place on a deserted Island. It's very mainstream. The guy's incredibly wealthy. He's got all the things that we think mean somebody should be happy and even the people immediately around him believe he is happy. And he is a, uh, a person who has no reason to be um, to feel alone and isolated and entirely abandoned, <laughs> which, he, which he is. There's nobody he can talk to about anything. And it's funny because George Clooney always often plays these characters who look exactly like George Clooney. <laughs> Yeah. He doesn't and, do a lot of hair and makeup. No, it's no. Like, this is what you have. Just this is what you have. And pretty much the world kind of jumps into his lap. So uh, I really liked the film, and I thought it was uh, a kind of fun study of somebody who, unlike Tom Hanks, who's only got a volleyball, you know, he has everything, and it, and he's absolutely the most lonely um troubled person <laughs> that you can imagine. But. I think wealth seems to do that to a lot of people and they isolate themselves in this case on a literal Island and bring everything with them. But at the same time, you know, presidents are one of 44, 45 people who have ever held the spot. Billionaires are even the, there's more and more of them. Yeah. There is tremendous power. And with that power comes building walls and building 
distances between people and yeah. trying to keep away the people that um, want your money, want your help, want your charity, want your invention. Mm-hmm. There's so many wants that come from that that it is it feels very lonely. Yeah. And you only can relate to other people who experience that exact same sort of loneliness. Yeah. These there was sorts a- of billionaire clubs or the Yeah. All those things seem like, you know, it's like a uh they're want for nothing, but then they can't really get what they really need sometimes, which is like a connection to everyone or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I reading the Beatles I think it was George or Paul were talking about That's how happy they were to be the Beatles and not Elvis because he had nobody else to be Elvis with. They, they could, yeah. <laughs> they had three other guys to be Beatles with. And if the hotel is being surrounded by screaming hordes of people, they could all just kind of go into a room and kind of like, like hang out together. Hang out together. You only have your support. You only have your Colonel Tom Parker to hang out with. Yeah. Like or your, your, TCB crew, your Memphis yeah. mafia. Yeah. 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 We, um, we just watched, uh, love actually, uh-huh. uh, last night getting ready for winter or for Christmas coming up. And you know, near the end of the movie, he's, uh, the, uh, Billy Mac. Yeah. The, uh, what's that? Bill Nye. The Bill, Bill Nye, Nye character, yeah. you know, he's off to this rich and fabulous party to get drunk with all these women. And then he spends the evening with his uh, manager, with his manager, yeah. who's this flat, fat, slow. Oh yeah, yeah. Like, kind of. <laughs> he's just the guy that's been with him for, for with forever. And it's like the you know, that's all. That's all he really knows. He doesn't know. He knows that other lifestyle, but he's not really connected to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Poor, so that's poor, just poor rich here. Elvis. Oh my God, it is funny. They like every time I hear that concept of this kind of individual who's allowed their wealth to isolate them from everything. You realize that it's just a matter of degrees. I mean, I, I have a garage full of stuff that I at one time wanted, but I don't even I don't look at it anymore. So is he uh, is the entire movie set on the island, or do, does he eventually leave? Does he? It's all it's all on the island, and it's also a lot of um, in a way. It's kind of a what do you call them? A not a pictogram. A, ah, shoot. Um, what do you call that? A hangman. A hangman. They used to call movies. In a way, it's kind of a travel log because the main character in this film is the incredible beauty of the surroundings. Mm. So you just kind of, if you're a cameraman, if you're a director of photography shooting a movie in that era, you just, you know where to point the camera. Look at this beautiful landscape. And uh, in a way that, like a lot of, like a king sitting alone in his castle, it creates sharp contrast between this person who is in paradise and feels uh, that they are trapped. So, yeah. There's my first manic depressive choice. All right, awesome. Richard. Yeah. All right, so duo. you mentioned the movie Castaway. So we're going there. Okay. Um, and I, you and Jeff, you mentioned the relationship with Wilson. Yeah. And I just want to point out that this movie has one of the greatest romantic uh, relationships in film history. Tom Hanks and Wilson. Is that right? I believe so. You believe so? Oh, it's definitely more than just like a friendship, right? So the it's, Harlem Globetrotters... It's turned into something like... Curly Neal and his basketball does not rival the relationship between... I mean, I mean, so look, far two, So far, two of two of Richard's picks have involved sports equipment. Yeah. Okay, let's see what there's number three... There's the theme. <laughs> Air Bud Air, uh, Air trapped, Bud on, an trapped on an island okay. where he just <laughs> dies of, of hunger. <laughs> I remember this. I, I do remember when this movie came out, and it's basically all all of the hubbub was about Tom Hanks's physical transformation. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I'm 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 constantly amazed by performers who go through these physical transformations. And I know that he kind of got himself fat for the start of the film, mm-hmm. so that way when he lost weight, it would look like he'd lost more, like yeah, more dramatic. Yeah. Mm. Um, I would do the fat part and then kind of mess up on that. That's my point. Hey, <laughs> guys, what, I got to talk to you about our next shoot. Yeah, what? Ha- yeah, that's my point. If it was me, what happened if he would have rolled into Smackers's <laughs> office six months later, like I'm like Marlon Brando from <laughs> Island of Doctor Moreau, like They'd have to Moo Moo. Couldn't something. do it. Let's rewrite. <laughs> we'll have to Get do a Christian pol- Bale. Yeah, do a Polar Express on my the lower part of my body. <laughs> just just throw on one of those Polar Expresses, just real quick. <laughs> I can't. I can't lose five pounds, you guys. Guys, much less like 50 yeah that's the problem they have trainers i know they do but so do i i can get a trainer it's not, not yeah, gonna, yeah, not gonna make true. me lose weight well it's not your job it's his job 
your jobs to go do amazing things with your your career and your kids and stuff like that. He has one job to lose weight. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't have to do anything. He with doesn't his have to kids. do anything. Yeah. They used the um, Wilson as a great way of uh, just having some sort of conversation, mm-hmm. some sort of uh, explanation for things. Right. Uh, somehow, uh, but somehow they managed to elevate that relationship beyond just a main, just be, just mainly being there as exposition, like an expositionary. Tool. That's the word I was thinking of. Yes, thank you. You know, it's more than that. It really. He, being trapped on that island like he is for what? He was on the island for four years. And I think that would be the, more than anything else, that would be what what would get you. That would be what would, would break you, would be the isolation. It wouldn't necessarily be the survival instincts of it. Yeah. That's almost like this first hurdle you have to get across. And he shows that he's a very resourceful person, is able to figure out how to, carve a life for himself on this island but what he's what what he struggles with the most is the mental aspect of it mm-hmm. of just basically having to go from a normal everyday life to this completely isolated completely by yourself look if you're diving off of your raft to try and rescue a piece of uh, sporting equipment mm-hmm. something has gone wrong yeah. in, in your head do you think he's plagued as we all are about those relationships that have a future, but he only exists in the past of them. So we think right. of like, oh, the college girlfriend, what's happening to her now? Or the people I used to work with, I wonder how they're doing without me back at the office. Do you think that character feels like he, he's suffering from FOMO times <laughs> times one billion? Well, he does when or end up going back to Helen Hunt, and I think he's surprised that she's moved on. Yeah. So I don't know that he's necessarily even thinking that. I think he's to some extent has lost such track of time uh-huh. that does he really even know it's been four years or you know, when he first gets off the island or the, while he's yeah. on the island? Does he just know I've been on here for a while? Mm-hmm. The only context that he really has is when she describes that uh, their city got a football team and that football team made it to the Super Bowl <laughs> right. only to lose in the last second. Exactly. Uh, that I think that's the only real sense of time that's really kind of captured Outside of his time on the island, mm-hmm. the, you know, she, right. she moves on. Everybody moves on. They had a funeral yeah. for him, the whole nine yards. And then he has to try and reintegrate himself to this. So I think as as much as this is a movie about physical survival, it really is more a movie about the mental aspect of being trapped on an island. Sure. The things that he's holding on to, the relationship with uh, Helen Hunt, and then the one package that he feels that he still has the need to deliver. Right. Those two things, and that by the end of it, he's finally able to deliver the package and reconnect with uh, the person that he was going to marry. Like he was going to propose to her or something. Right. right. And then all of a sudden you're just like, okay, now what's next? And it's a good thing that the, the, the package woman happened to be like a really good looking woman. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't some like fat guy named Tony. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Worked, who, in, in, Apologies oh, yeah. to fat guys named Tony. <laughs> and, uh, you know, just, who had some weed shipped to him or something, you know, uh, I, I felt that FedEx promo was something that took me out of the movie at some point. It was totally a logical thing. And it right. would have looked stupider if they made up a fake shipping company. Ship X, yeah. or something. But uh, I remember feeling like product placement <laughs> was that he's few. Thank God for this Wilson ball. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's a. Yeah, I thought it was odd that there was an unending supply of Coca-Cola. Yeah. They also happened to wash of... up on the... Uh... Where they get, uh, where's he getting ice? machine we were delivering. <laughs> oh, and this electrical socket. And this 10,000 miles of electrical cord. Yeah. It's waterproof. <laughs> oh, thank God. But yeah, I think in the Tom Hanks showing off his um, Spencer Tracy-like ability to just kind of be in a way that we all believe in and put ourselves in that circumstance because we think, well, yeah, he, he's kind of acting not unlike we would all act in that circumstance. What a jerk. Jeffrey. Yeah. Your second. Place. Okay. So. Uh, you seem surprised by that, Jeff. There are four of the union. You do. You remember we have to make four picks, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. I, yeah. Okay. Shit. I'll Shit. pull something okay. out of my ass. Okay. No. Uh, I was actually trying to get more details about this one because I haven't watched it in a while, but I love it so much. It was a foundational holiday uh island scenario for me as a kid and that's rudolph the red-nosed reindeer and the island of misfit toys that they're in and there was a sequel in 2001 i think or something uh where they tried to cg these same characters and make us love them but we're i'm more specifically talking about the rankin and bass 
stop motion animated claymation something different stop motion animated special called rudolph the, rudolph the red-nosed reindeer and uh where they're flying around they land on an island with a misfit cowboy a charlie in the box a uh doll the doll named sue was i think sue ellen the doll um uh, a cowboy with a gun that shoots grape jelly, and there is a it is a kind of an existential part of this piece that, as a kid, I remember being really impacted by. One, there are all these toys, and this um, story is about bringing toys to children. And then, as a kid, I I knew I had broken toys, but I didn't know I, there were such things as misfit. <laughs> toys so i this thought was, it was really interesting these were the days before ross that's right yeah <laughs> yeah ross dress for less is it yes, yeah, yeah where you can find all the misfit toys right in one of the toys dolly for sue seemed perfectly normal to viewers and then years later in a 2007 interview arthur rankin said dolly considers herself a misfit because of so low self-esteem and psychological mm. problems so you know, hats off for dealing with the challenges of, of uh, you know, bad body image and stuff like that. And also being on. a Charlie in the Box. Yeah, a Charlie in the Box. Nobody wants to play with a Charlie <laughs> in the Box. Yeah. Uh, That's one thing that we haven't really talked about yet. The, uh, the island as punishment, as the place uh, that you send the dregs of society. Yeah. The place that you're trapped there because you are other mm-hmm. that you are bad that yeah you are a misfit you're like, a leper like, like papillon you know, we can't no. we can't keep you guys around because you're not good for society no no people that's just, something i hadn't i hadn't considered uh for this topic that's interesting yeah people see you they're gonna get upset there's a plane that can't fly and like a seal that can't bark or something i forget there's a lot of weirdos um and then what are, what's a seal good for if it can't bark <laughs> i don't know I read that after yukon cornelius promises to try and save them he doesn't. They're left on the island. When it originally aired, I think 1964, children wrote in letters and complained that these toys were left. And then in succeeding years, a scene was added. Oh, that's an added scene. That's an added scene. I didn't know that. Where they go back and save these idiotic toys that, <laughs> that feel like they deserve a place in the arms of a child. But uh, I did... I think that was one of the first things as a kid where you're looking at... Uh, uh, a little bit of drama, a little bit of um, interest in an in animated kids' things. I assume that the misfit toys got sent to the poor kids. Yeah, that's a, that makes they sense. Couldn't afford parents couldn't afford real toys. Yeah, or find. So why can't Santa, Santa just give the poor kids real toys? We yeah, that's a good. <laughs> Santa what? is mean, a jerk. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Richard said that, not me, Santa Claus, in case you're listening to this podcast. Did it also, as a kid, I'm curious, uh, spoiler, I mean, if if uh, we all know Santa's real, right? Young people, mm-hmm. go Simon, away for yeah. this moment. Simon doesn't listen to this. Oh, he doesn't? So okay, good. okay, okay. Um, as a kid, I remember believing in Santa Claus longer than I should have, and then out of optimism, I think, because I wanted to believe in something. But when, then he, I, when, he, when he stopped giving you beer. That's right. In college. <laughs> That's when you realized, wait a second. Wait, hold on. The, but then I'm wondering, how does Santa make an Atari? Because in all the, the shows, they show elves banging wood. <laughs> with a, with a wooden, wood, wooden pegs and things like that. It's, just, it's just outsourced to Japan. It totally yeah, must be. Yeah, my, mom, my parents always explain it to me as basically, well, he makes the toys that he can, and the ones he can't, he goes and he buys. Oh, that's pretty real, real talk. Okay. All right. Hmm. <laughs> the kid, I think as a kid, you just say, was the word toys in that sentence? Right. I'm good. I got an Atari. <laughs> yeah. Fucking boss. Yeah, that's boss. There's, that's my pick. Okay. We are at halftime, and um, Jeff and Richard are going back and forth, neck and neck at Ted, this point. Shirt, ripping shirts <laughs> off, ripping <laughs> pants off. They are two men oiled, trapped on this island. Oiled up. Oiled up. <laughs> Lots of palm oil, a lot of <laughs> coconut oil. Uh, I'm on a ship. I can see these two guys. Will I stop and fight them <laughs> on or just keep sailing on? We'll find out in the second half. But until then, um, please, uh, we always implore you, ask you, beg you at this point to uh, go on to Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or wherever um, you listen to this podcast. Give us just a rating. It's our Christmas gift um, that you can give to us. Also, you can just send us money. Cash so either money. money <laughs> gift cards. Bitcoin, I also accept gift cards. Gift card. Or... The cheaper thing to do 
Just give us a rating. Four stars, five stars. I don't know. How many stars do they go up to now? Go six. Six stars. See if you can do six. <laughs> six stars. Um, just rate and on it, subscribe. And just tell your friends. I, the best way that people learn about podcasts is when their friends say, I heard this podcast. So do that. Tell your friends. Rate us. Yeah. Wherever you get podcasts, whether yeah. it's whether it's uh, Stitcher, mm-hmm. Spotify, mm-hmm. Uh, Apple, iTunes, uh, Apple iTunes, um, we are on iHeartRadio. Redbox? Red, not on Redbox. You can just go there to those kiosks. And We're on iHeartRadio, and I learned this because I was, I was searching for iHeartRadio uh, Christmas stations while, while we were putting mm-hmm. up our tree uh, the other day. And I just thought, ah, I know they do podcasts, on, have podcasts on here. Let me check Mount Rushmore. First thing that popped up. It's the podcast pirates have put it on iHeartRadio. Did we put it on? Yeah, we put it on there. Sure, we did. Wink, wink. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we are back to the second half. Richard, what is your third pick? My third pick is this specific Farside cartoon. Oh, ding, 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 ding. Well, open the open the Borglum bag. Oh wow! Ding, 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 ding. Richard nailed it. Oh, really? I got your Borglum bag pick? Uh, Holy shit, really? If it wasn't, if there was no reference, there should have been a reference that all far, that 40% of all Farside cartoons yeah. are, on are trapped on a desert yeah. I could have, cartoons. Yeah, Good I, job, Richard. I could have picked mm. a lot of them. I will describe this one as best I can. Um, it is the typical Farside desert island, which means it's got about a six foot uh, circumference. Mm. <laughs> and it's got the palm tree in the middle, as you would expect, yeah. or the coconut tree. I, I didn't really unclear. Um, and it's got on the foreground um, a castaway with an old time printing press, um, just printing up newspaper after newspaper. And in the background, you see the other person with his back resting on the tree, um, reading a newspaper that says "Ned is a whiner." And the caption says, "Hot off the press, the very first edition of the Desert Island Times caused the paper to quickly fold." <laughs> and it's God bless you, Gary Larson. It's just pretty so, amazing. I. I I, I went through a lot of different ones that I had found. Mm-hmm. There's one where there's two very nearby desert islands, and the, he, there's a human on one, and he has help written in the sand. The other one has a duck on it, and it just says quack. That's funny. Which is also a funny yeah. one, and it's a very quick one. I, I love this one because you mentioned the the, the concept of like getting trapped. It, someone did. Either you're an individual, maybe it's you, Jeff, or you're like part of a group. What you don't really usually hear is like two people. Yeah. Or three people or like a very small group. And I think if it's a larger like group, then you would have people to sort of. Sure. It turns into, it turns into survivor the... and mm-hmm. it turns into groups that form together. And yeah. it turns tribe. into, it turns into a tribe into its own community working together. But yeah. if it was just you and one other, one other person, you guys would fucking hate each other after about like yeah. a month. Yeah, usually it's about six weeks until the other person imagines you as a giant turkey. Yeah, right. <laughs> then, I you're chasing, <laughs> then you're chasing around. The other one's a drumstick or, the, or, or the opposite. I mean, you guys, I don't find you guys attractive beyond just Excuse regular me. masculinity. God, this all goes into But this. it would get sexy. I'm the judge. It would get sexy after a while, I think, sure. if we were on an island. It might. Yeah. It might. could. I, I just love this comic. I love the fact that there happens to be a printing press on the island. <laughs> yeah. I love the fact that he's got a new, enough newspaper to be able to print... I love the fact that he took the time to actually like write all this out. Typeset it. Typeset it. I love the fact that the other guy is didn't just look at it and throw it down, but he appears to be actually reading the article itself. Yeah. As he, if he's curious <laughs> to learn yeah. more about why exactly he is a whiner. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Gary Larson was so good at having his 15 or 20. Gary Larson was so good at having his sort of 15 or 20 like Go to go to yeah. tropes, yeah, and see what kind of joke I could make out of it, and mm-hmm. you can keep coming back to them. And um, this is one of my favorites. That just it, just the, the single, <laughs> the disc of an island. It took me years. So wonderful. It took me years to realize why that that other than the comedy of it, why the island was so small. It's just you need to be able to get the idea that he's on a desert island or mm-hmm. trapped on like trapped on this island, but you need to be able to do it in a context of a one pane. Yeah. Comic. Yeah. So you have to make it like this totally teeny tiny, like little atoll sort mm-hmm. of thing. It took me years to figure that out. So there was like a perspective thing, but it wasn't just like, wasn't strictly just a gag. Yeah. I, Gary Larson, I think, will have his, if he if he can rein in it, I think he expresses his political beliefs on some social media. No, you're media thinking part. of the Dilbert guy. Oh, sorry. Sorry, sorry. Uh, <laughs> I think he'll have his, his, um, 
day in court. His Louvre Gallery exhibition at some point. Sure. Because he is a surrealist on par with Surratt or um, who's the je ne sais on pipe or whatever that guy. Magritte. 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 Yeah. So I think especially in he uses motifs that recur and they develop into this ensemble, almost like the Weekly World News cast right. of characters. So, yeah, I, that's pretty pretty darn hilarious. All right, that's all I got on that. All right. That's all that's I need to say. Jeff, Fair number enough. three. Okay. Uh, as a kid, I used to love Monster Week, and I liked all the different monster stuff, and then Godzilla on Monster Island would come on, and that was just like Friday. Uh, mon- you'd gone through all of Monster Week, and Godzilla versus Mothra was usually like Thursday. Smog Monster was usually like Monday. Uh, <laughs> something Godzuki or whatever. That was something you just kind of skipped past. But the idea that there was this island full of monsters was the coolest shit on the planet. <laughs> and that they would all be flying at each other. And <laughs> But I didn't know until it just searched us. <laughs> that was a good Godzilla. Uh, that it was called Godzilla versus Gigon. And Is it Gigon, the guy who created D and D. Yeah, Gary Gigon. Yeah, yeah, yeah the Monster Manual, <laughs> Dungeon yeah, Master's Guide. Monster yeah. Manual makes sense. Yeah, um, and I thought it was just the best because I think every big budget spectacular, all you can do is really be additive. Iron Man can fight a bigger Iron Man, or Hulk has to fight a bigger Hulk, yeah. and it really just kind of escalates until you're on a freaking island full of monsters, <laughs> and loved it. Yeah. What I like about this is another thing that we haven't really talked about is the islands are often mysterious. Or at least they were before the world was kind of mapped and you can zoom into any place on the map on like <laughs> Google yeah. Maps or whatever. You can literally see every street and every car parked on there at some sort mm-hmm. of snapshot. Yeah. I'm sure that there are some weird areas over Russia that you can't they won't that let blocked, you zoom into. Blocked, Same thing with yeah. China. But like the sea and the island in the middle of the sea was always something that could hold monsters. Yeah. It is so deserted. No one is, no human has ever mm-hmm. been there. Yeah. There used to be places like that and there, maybe there still are, who knows? Evolutionary outliers where yes, the, you um, may find the remains of some species that has long been yeah, extinct. Yeah. Uh, the idea that you're just like, oh yeah, there's Godzilla's <laughs> out there fighting Mothra's <laughs> on some island. Yeah. No one knows where it is in the South Pacific that only the Japanese might know about, but they're like, yeah, uh, they're pretty. Yeah, hush hush about a lot. Yeah, of yeah, so yeah. Let's keep. Let's not. Mm-hmm. We're and not it was reveal the location of it. It was the uh, atomic, who was fat man or little boy or w- w- which landed on Hiroshima. Hiroshima. Hiroshima is an island, right? Or it's part of the city in Japan. Well, Japan's an island. Japan's an island. Sorry, guys, I'm an idiot. Uh, but the idea that this uh, abomination of Godzilla was created by man's uh, meddling with the, uh, the nature of science and all that kind of stuff. Oh, but, sure. Yeah. It's, I mean, all of, it's seemingly all of Japanese pop culture was, uh, you know, uh, reactivated mm-hmm. by the U.S. bombing them. Yeah. It generated their entire sense of anime and mm-hmm. manga and everything. And <laughs> like a lot of their pop culture is built on like this horrible thing that happened to them and they had to reset their entire identity uh, in the world. Yeah. And, um, you know, Monsters too. Monsters too. Well, that that uh, I love this pick, and I hadn't. I love this pick. I mean, I chose this pick. I loved that movie, and then when I saw the latest King Kong, uh, there oh, was on some Skull Island. Skull Island. Yeah. Is it is it pretty good? No, uh, I don't think it's good. But John C. Riley is kind of hilarious in it, and he is this. <laughs> no. No, sh- no shit. What, yeah. what isn't John C. Riley? Every when hey guys, there's a big yeah. monster there. Uh, I don't know. Maybe we should not go where a monster is. It, he <laughs> he is so goofy, and he carries the plot so well, and he reacts to everything so well. And at some point, he suddenly surround. He he is a military. He's a World War II soldier who's been left there, and now there's these people who found him on the island and he he'll say like are you real i don't even know i don't even know if you're real because i I talk to myself all the time am i talking out loud uh because sometimes i don't know the difference between thinking and talking like it's so funny to see him react and then that's interesting that the monsters are obviously real but the people yeah are like are these yeah 
<laughs> yeah, that that film being on an island and full of monsters and full of these outside people who've come in to try to monetize these creatures, but are going to fall prey to them. Um, spoiler: put a FedEx logo on the yeah. back. And, yeah. So yeah, so I loved uh, Godzilla on Monster Island. Richard, look your last guys. choice. Yeah, look guys. He started off with a look, guys. Well, I write that down. Look guys. I didn't realize he had to get so, <laughs> so condescending so quickly. Look, hmm. I. Uh, why are you staring at my soul? I, I've seen every episode of Survivor, man. I know that if push came to shove, if the shit went down, and I had to go full uh, full castaway, I could do it. You could. Oh, yeah. I've seen every episode of Survivor, man. What's yeah. Survivor, man? I don't know it either. It was basically uh, Discovery Channel's version of the Bear Grylls show. Oh, okay. But it was better because the guy wasn't so much of a douche. Oh, like Bear Grylls. He didn't have a douchey name like Bear Grylls for one. Mm-hmm. And it was basically they would he would uh, have a film crew. Drop oh, that, him. That's a big mistake right there. <laughs> well, there is your problem. He actually he would they would have a film crew that would drop him off with like 80 pounds of film equipment and nobody else and go into these different survival scenarios. And he, they would say, OK, we're going to meet you back at the pickup point in a week. And he would just film himself trying to survive for a week in these various, you know, whether it's a, a plane crash in the Arctic mm-hmm. or being stuck in the Serengeti or a not l- an island. Several of them were islands though. I could do this. I know what to do. First off, you gotta get water. That's the number mm-hmm. one thing I've learned from any, from watching these sur- survival type shows. Water. If you don't get water, you're dead and you're going to die in a couple of days. You can go for a while without food. You can probably go a whole week without food if you really had to. But you're not going very far without water. This is like filtered water, right? Like yeah, like Dasani. Yeah, yeah like nice a Dasani, Dasani. Or like something with again, bubbles the, in it. Again, the vending machine. Yeah, yeah. Is that the eighty pounds? Of, <laughs> what he's carrying is eighty pounds. Eighty pounds of water. I'm good. Why would you so terrible? I, oh god, I don't yeah. like. I don't like when my fingers get like like all icky from like cutting up chicken. Yeah, uh, that's the worst. I would. Be like, yeah. Just, he's not trapped. Some, some. Well, he is trapped. He's there for a week. I'm saying if I he's was, he's got trapped, a cameraman with him. No, he doesn't have a cameraman. He's got all the equipment by himself. He's GoPro in it the he's whole time. Basically, mm-hmm. like, like set up cameras. Set up. He would set up a camera. He has. He talks about this. How it's much more of a pain in the ass. Oh, okay. Because he has to like shoot himself. Basically. Yeah. Um. Is he ever? Is he? Ever, but I'm not saying he's trapped on the. I'm trapped on the island. I'm saying if it was me. Yeah. Having watched these survival type shows, I'm like Michael Scott. You could put me out in the woods. <laughs> I'd be fine. How do you get water in the desert? Well, cactus. Cactus. Okay. Um, you know, usually there's some sort of if it's an island, there's going to be some sort of water stream somewhere. Mm-hmm. We didn't say it necessarily had to be a deserted a desert island, did we? No, no, no. no. Yeah, so it could be this could be a tropical island. You could be collecting uh, rainwater. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, leaves. just walk to the edge and drink what's in the ocean. I mean, it'll probably ah! it will drive you a little crazy. Mm-hmm. But it's you're gonna be you're gonna be crazy anyway. Yeah. So you might as well just lean into it. Is I, he is he ever tasked with actually getting on the episodes that he is trapped on an island? Is he ever is he ever tasked with getting off the island or just like going from point A to point B on said island? Usually it's point A to point B. Hmm. But someone's gonna find me. They're they're gonna see me on Google Maps, mm-hmm. as you said. Mm-hmm. We're fine. Yeah. I, I, I'll create some sort of smoke screen or something. Mm-hmm. And, you know, usually. What am I doing? What am I doing that I would ever be trapped on a desert island? No, you you or you go from island. you go from Los Angeles to Phoenix to Kingsburg. I know yeah. your I know your what entire my entire, entire yearly route. route. You just it. bought the cheapest flight on <laughs> on uh, uh, or, yeah yeah yeah. Well, Spirit Airlines, yeah, yeah, I thought it was a direct, but there's four stops. One, one of the stops is a Sahara <laughs> desert. One of the one of them was Tahiti. A seven day layover, right? <laughs> So, but I admire your confidence because I don't have that confidence in that. Only because I've watched these shows. I've watched enough of these. And I, I, I have complete confidence, ir- mm. irash- complete irrational confidence in my own Would abilities. you... If we're being honest, I would be dead within a couple of hours. I would like get hit in the head with a coconut. Mm-hmm. And un- yeah. unlike on Gilligan's Island where it just sort of makes the Fred Flintstone yeah. sound and kind of go whoop, yeah. it would crush my skull. Speaking of Gilligan, I was going to say this earlier, and I think I've said it on another podcast, that what did damage Gilligan for me from a kind of an existential experience was when Skipper would look directly into the lens 
Alan Hale Jr. would be the only cast member to break the fourth wall. And if Gilligan, little buddy, did Shake something, he'd look right into the lens and do like roll a eye roll. Mm-hmm. Then you'd think, he fucking planned this. He knows. Mm-hmm. He put them. <laughs> he's the skipper. He piloted right to that island, wrecked the boat, and he set up cameras. He's Survivor Man. Or he's, he's Christo from uh, Truman Show. Yeah. set this all up. He set it all up. Yeah. Bizarre. Jeffrey. That's me. Please. Get us off this this. island. Okay, I'm going to finish this on the least... This is the least researched, least... Every time... I like it already. Every time people discuss a deserted island, it's often with the context of what experience... What what do you love about life that you... If you could only bring one of, you would bring to Mm -hmm. this island. Mm -hmm. So... What um, the one thing that guy get hit, hit, hitched up on is if you could bring one food to a deserted island, what would it be? And my answer is always tacos. And then party time, Jeff is here. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Then I <laughs> think then he leaves 15 minutes into being trapped on the island. Yeah. Just like that's Jeff. <laughs> See, yeah, I gotta go. <laughs> he <leaves the> tacos <laughs> with us, so that's the most important thing. He has social island anxiety disorder. <laughs> but then. This island somehow has an unlimited supply of tacos. And now that's the best fucking island in the world. Mm. Like, can you imagine? Could you make a boat out of those tacos? Uh, you probably could make a raft, hard shell tacos. Hard shell do you tacos, think so? Yeah. But my, see, my choice would be live whale. That's what I'm going to eat. Oh, a live just ride whale. A live then I whale. could just ride that damn thing off into the sunset. Yeah. Uh, or, or what... What album? No, no, no. The rules mean you have to be eating that whale while you're. You got to be it. eating it. You got to well, be taking so, bites. So, I'm, something's, <laughs> something's, <laughs> something's got to be making that thing thing go. Yeah, <laughs> nibbling on his tail. Yeah. Uh, or album, like if you could bring any album, um, and if it was you know the Ramones' greatest hits or something like that, then it's the partiest fucking al- island in the planet. So it changes the nature of the island, right? As long as you could bring one of everything you love. Yeah. Now it's no longer, oh, I'm stuck, I'm trapped, this is, this is bad, I'm a prisoner of circumstance. It's the best thing in the world. But would you eventually mm. get sick of tacos? No. I love that optimism no. to end this out. With, with tacos also, like I think, if, okay, let's say there's a taco cannon or a taco <laughs> conveyor belt or something. The taco vending machine. The taco vending machine. Some days I just feel like salad. And tomato, I'll just take that off the top. And I'm imagining the Taco Bell taco, not uh, not a real taco, not a real taco. So that's that's how I feel about it. Like you suddenly went from uh, due to unfortunate circumstance, blank is happening, and now you must try to make the most of it by bringing God blank. Uh, deserted island is half full in your no, eyes. It's, oh, God, it's the best. Well, half full of tacos. I don't even yeah. need my, like, my Kindle. I don't need, I'll just eat tacos. I just <laughs> read tacos. And But from uh, from Google Maps, you might look and go, that's Diarrhea Island. They would probably see it just from Just like an satellite. oil. They probably think it's some sort of oil, <laughs> oil slick yeah. or something. Yeah. So there you have it. I love that interpretation of turning a negative into a positive. Okay. That seeing seeing being trapped for forever. I assume it's for forever. Yeah. Or it's for cuz if cuz if you if you approach it, I'm going to be trapped on an island for a year. Anything is anything is bearable cuz you for have cuz you have that calendar in your head and you can be like, "Oh, I'm out of here in a year. I can do this." But to be like, "Oh, I'm trapped here forever, but I get my my favorite thing." That's like Got the favorite thing. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. That's pretty interesting. Well, here I wish there was a taco, unlimited taco situation. It doesn't exist. But there That's it does. Get some lunch after this? Get some tacos. Get some tacos. <laughs> Not taco. Let's go to Islands. Oh, sounds good. Yeah. <laughs> I bet you they serve tacos. Uh, I bet you they're awful. <laughs> okay. I'm going to I'm gonna start joshing because I, okay. I think I'm ready. Okay. Um. Richard. Yes. You get a point. Okay. I don't like the direction this is heading. I'll take one. For the Harlem Globetrotters on Gilligan's Island. That opened up a whole can of worms on uh, the uh, Islanders' uh, own series of self-defeats that kept them on the island. Yeah. Also just the ridiculousness of uh, the the world's best basketball team playing the world's best robots. Mm -hmm. Uh, 
Loved it. Loved that pick. Yeah. Stellar. Jeffrey. Mm-hmm. Godzilla versus Guy Gaiman. Okay. <laughs> that was a great aspect of island culture, of the hidden, mysterious island where anything is possible. Anything can grow on this island. Anything. Yeah. There, there is a dire optimism there. Yeah. Where, who knows? It could be the big. It could be a forty-story mm-hmm. lizard monster versus a thirty-ish eh, and a half-story. Mothra's not as big as Godzilla, so you know. In the in the Gary Larson rendition of an island, it's usually pretty bare. Yeah. It's usually pretty. This one is lush. Yeah. Deep. Yeah. Yeah. Dense. Mysterious. Love that. Richard. Yes. You get a point for the Far Side cartoon. Yeah, I know Partially. my audience. I feel like I should. I should <laughs> that's very important. Oh, that's the board on this. Yes, very important on the show. Yep. Um, that you could identify that as a. It's like my cheese pick from a couple weeks ago. It's the cartoon cheese pick. If you're drawing a deserted oh, yeah. island, you're drawing that one palm tree on that one half moon of mm-hmm. land yeah. in the middle with one person sitting there just looking off, seeing. Who knows? His despair, but making something fun out of it. Great yeah. pick. And Jeff, you guys, so you guys oh. are splitting. Oh, we did. Oh, I'll take okay. that. I'll All take right. that. I, love, I'm surprised. You get I'm, on the, choices. Love, I'm on the road. I'm, it's, I'm on the road. I'll take a draw. Love the um, optimism at the end of this. The kind of we had a we had a deep evil optimism of what's yeah. lurking out there, and at the end, it's oh, I'm trapped on the island. Man, let's have some tacos. <clears> Eat work. Let's it's, have some fun out here. What day is it? Tuesday. Every day. When we talked about um, when we talked about our desert island discs, yeah, a couple of years ago, I tried to look at in some of my picks in terms of the optimism of it. Of like, I'm trapped here on this album, on this on this island with an album. I want to get drunk and sing some karaoke. Yeah, this, this had a little bit of feelers of that. Of like, I'm here with my favorite music. Let's party, bro. Yeah, let's go. Right on. Split, All right, man. Split decision. I'll take it. You guys, right. you know what? Turning the boat around. Gonna pick you both up. All right. All right. So, no, that's just because Jeff has all the tacos. Yeah. Also, <laughs> since you each only got two, going to sell you into slavery. Whoa, bad news. Well, at, at least you're off the island. We're off the island. Right? Do we tell them about the dead body? Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> well, this has been the Mount Rushmore Podcast. Um, I am always Michael. I'm Richard. And I'm Jeff. Jeff.